Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler, and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. If you got your Bibles, I hope that you do. Would you open them up to the book of Joshua chapter 1? Joshua chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of the hardback black Bibles from under your chair. If you're using one of those, it's page 178. If you don't own a Bible, by the way, feel free to take that with you. That'll be our gift to you. But we're going to be hanging out in Joshua for the next few uh, months together. We're beginning this new series in the book of Joshua, which we've entitled Heading Home. And we're calling it Heading Home because that's what the book of Joshua is about. The book of Joshua is about God using Joshua to lead his chosen people into the land he promised to give them. That's what this is about. It's telling us the story of how God used Joshua to lead his people into Canaan. And while Joshua is a book about the history of Israel, the history of God's people, one of the things we need to keep in mind all throughout our study of this book is that this book is not primarily history. In fact, if you were to read a Jewish Bible in Hebrew, you would find that the book of Joshua is not kept with historical narratives at all. It's actually kept in a section of their Bible known as the former prophets. They knew, they understand that the book of Joshua was speaking even into their lives, and we need to remember that as well. Because if we think about this book as just historical narrative about God's people, we won't appreciate it for what it is. We'll see it as a collection of facts. We'll see it as a bunch of details that tell us a story and not much else. But if we remember that this is God's word, it can speak into our lives. It can make a difference for us today as followers of Jesus. You see, while Joshua tells us the story of the history of Israel, that's not its main purpose. We're not told all of this history just to know facts. It's meant to show us who our God is and how he works. It's meant to lead us into a deeper relationship with him. Joshua is going to remind us again and again that our God is faithful. He is so faithful. We serve a God who keeps his promises. We serve a God that we can count on. But Joshua is also going to press on us. There are going to be times where it's going to convict us, not simply inform us. There are going to be times where it comforts us, not merely enlightens us. This book is going to remind us that as followers of Jesus, we serve a faithful God, but we are also called into a joyful obedience. That's what we're going to see as we study this book together. And as we study it, um, it's helpful to know a little bit about the leader who gives the book its name, the man, Joshua. His name was Joshua ben Nun, Joshua the son of Nun. Dads, how would you like that to be your name? None. Hey, I'm, I'm none. No, the, sorry. Chasing a rabbit there. Joshua ben Nun was born in Egypt in the, to the tribe of Joseph, the half-tribe of Ephraim. He was a young man during the Exodus. His birth name was Hoshea, which means salvation, but Moses decided to change his name, and he called him Jehoshua, or Joshua, which means... Yahweh is salvation. He kind of redefined who he was. 
Joshua was chosen by Moses to serve as Moses' assistant. He was there with Moses as Moses received the law. He became the general of the Israelite army serving under Moses. He was one of the 12 men sent to spy out Canaan by Moses. And when he and Caleb came back, they were the two who gave the minority report that said that they should enter into the land and conquer the land that God had given to them. In Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 through 23, the Lord chooses Joshua to succeed Moses in leading Israel. And so Moses and Eleazar commissioned him before all the people as the next leader of Israel. That's the man, Joshua, that we're going to see in this book. And for years, Joshua was standing in Moses' shadow. But the time has come for change. Now, I know I asked you to open your Bibles to Joshua, but what I really want you to do is turn your Bibles one page to the left to the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Literally just one page to the left. Because as we look at Deuteronomy 34, what we're going to see for just a moment is the ground that leads us into the book of Joshua. It's going to set the stage for us. This will go fast, I promise, but you need to hear what the the Bible tells us that leads us into Joshua. So Deuteronomy chapter 34, starting at verse 1, says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. This mountain that Moses is standing on is about 20 miles east of Jericho. And from there, he could see all of the land around him. Keep that in mind. It says, And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the plain that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Mount Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Now I need you to hear the rest of this text here. Listen to this. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him, for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. That is the stage that's been set for Joshua. Moses is dead. That's how Joshua begins. Moses has led Israel out of Egypt all through the wilderness, but because of his own sin, the Lord didn't allow him to enter into the promised land. He let him see it, but he didn't let him enter. And Deuteronomy ends by telling us that when he died, all of Israel wept because he had died. 
it ends by saying that there hasn't been anyone else ever like Moses. There hasn't been a prophet like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. No one has done signs like he did. No one's done wonders like he did. No one had the mighty power that Moses had. There has been no one to lead Israel like Moses. And following the death of Moses, Joshua had to step into his shoes and lead God's chosen people. That's where we find the story begin. It begins with a change of command. And so with that in mind, let's turn the page over to Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to look at just nine verses together today. Hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistants, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we dive into the book of Joshua today and we begin this journey through your word, we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would help us to understand that this is not just history, but this is prophetically speaking into our lives today, leading us to know who you are, to follow your leadership, to love you more, to serve you faithfully. God, make this alive to us. Help us to understand that you are speaking to us here in Alberta, Alabama in 2022. God, teach us to listen to your commands. As you speak to us, help us to hear what you have to say and then listen to it to do what you've called us into doing. Give us an endurance as we serve you, as we go on mission for you. Protect us from the danger of fear, the danger of distraction, whatever might get in the way and cause us to leave the mission or or go sideways from the mission. God, keep us focused on enduring as we serve you. And then God, teach us to live in your word. Teach us to have a heart for what you've commanded us, a heart that wants to know what you've said to us so that we can take that and put it into motion. God, we are so thankful for your word and we're excited about what we're going to see as we study this book together. And we ask that you would work in the lives of every single one of us today. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. 
The book of Joshua begins with a change of command. That's how it begins. Now, in the Navy, a change of command is is an occurrence that happens quite frequently, and and it's kind of a big deal. Changes of command ceremonies can can be fairly formal events. They can have all the pomp and circumstance, full-dress uniforms, swords, stages, bunting flags, military bands. They can be a big to-do, or they can be a, a much less formal affair. They can be working uniforms with just the troops assembled in front of the incoming and outgoing commanding officers without any of that pomp. But either way, regardless of the formality of the event, whether it's formal or not, All changes of command have one important feature in common, the transfer of all authority and leadership from one individual to another. Now, in a Navy change of command, that occurs as the officers read their orders from the Bureau of Naval Personnel. The incoming commanding officer will read his orders. The outgoing commanding officer will read his orders, and then the two turn and face one another. They salute The incoming commanding officer says, I relieve you, sir. The outgoing says, I stand relieved. And in that moment, all authority, all leadership is transferred from one officer to another. But just because the authority and leadership transfer doesn't mean that all of the affection and all of the influence that that officer had transfers over as well. Not long after I reported to my final um, operational tour in the Navy at VFA 41 out in Lemoore, California, about a month and a half into the tour, we had a change of command ceremony. The outgoing commanding officer was loved by the squadron. They loved him. His name was Commander Marcos Hasso, uh, call sign DB, and, and they loved DB. All of the officers loved DB. All of the sailors loved DB, and, and that created a bit of a challenge for the guy who relieved him. Because the officer who came in and took over as commanding officer, he was a good officer, but he wasn't DB. And so even though he assumed all the weight of responsibility, all of the authority that DB had, he was lacking in one thing. He was lacking in in the affection and the inspiration and in the motivation that DB had just because of who he was. And that turned out to be a pretty big disadvantage. He had some huge shoes to fill, and in an even bigger way, that's what's happening here with Joshua as he takes over from Moses. But as Joshua takes over the leadership of Israel, we need to understand that he had one major advantage. God was on his side. Now, that might sound like a little bit of pious prattle as I just say it. It's like, oh, look at Josh. He's so spiritual. He's saying he had God on his side. But, but that is true, and we need to see that here. Joshua had been prepared by God. God is going to stand with him and walk with him the whole way as he's leading Israel. And we see that right at the very beginning of the book. Take a look, beginning at verse one, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's assistants, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua begins with some pretty big shoes to fill, but he begins with God on his side, and that is huge. Listen, of all people, Joshua had reason to be concerned. But as he begins his leadership, he begins with the Lord at his side. The Lord spoke to Joshua and he gave him instructions on what to do, but he didn't just give him instructions. He also reassured him. We have to remember how big Moses was in the eyes of Israel, in the eyes of everyone who had been following him all these years since they left Egypt. He was the one who was incomparable. He spoke directly to God and now he was dead. And you you can't help but but feel certain that there were some people in the camp who saw with the death of Moses, the death of their hope. Moses had led them all the way up to the river. They're standing there on the east banks of the Jordan River, looking to the west, looking into the land that God had promised to give them. Moses dies, and they're like, well, I guess this is over. That's who Joshua is stepping in to take over from. But as God speaks to Joshua and he starts giving him these instructions on what he's going to do, he reminds him of his own faithfulness. He reassures him that he's still going to keep his promises. The promises that God made to Israel did not die with Moses because God's promises aren't dependent on men and they certainly aren't dependent on one man. God is faithful. Right at the very beginning of this book, we're seeing that God is faithful. So God reminds Joshua of that as he gives him instructions on what to do. And the instructions he gives him are very straightforward. He tells him, get up and go. That's what he tells him. Take a look. Verse 2, the Lord tells Joshua, now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. That's the first command that the Lord gives to Joshua. But what is so much more important for us to see as we're looking at this is the reassurance that he gives with it. Because as he tells them to, to take the people of Israel and lead them into Canaan, he also says, don't worry, I'm going with you. In verse five, he says to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And we need to see that and take hold of that. Because what we're seeing here is God telling Joshua to lead a mission that had to be overwhelming. Like, can you imagine standing there looking over the river? You're Joshua, you're leading all of these people. It had to be overwhelming. The objective before him on the west bank of the Jordan River was massive. It may have seemed like it was more than Joshua could accomplish. But God is commanding him to do it anyway. And as God gives him this command to go, he also makes the promise, I will be with you. And it's right here in the very beginning of the book of Joshua where this book starts getting very real for us as well. You see, as God is commanding Joshua, he's showing us something about what he does when he gives us a mission to accomplish. Quite often, God is going to call us to do big things. He's gonna give us a mission that we need to accomplish. And that mission may seem overwhelming. 
He may call us to do things that may seem like they are more than we can handle, but when he does that, he doesn't leave us by ourselves. He doesn't abandon us in the mission. He goes with us on the mission. So he might come to a church like us and say, hey, Point Church, Alberta, it's time for you guys to start thinking about being autonomous. It's time for you guys to start thinking about standing on your own two feet, and that can be a little overwhelming. Or he might come to an individual Christian and say, hey, Christian, hey, Josh, hey, hey, Ryan, I want you to share the gospel with this person. I want you to share my good news with your coworker or your neighbor or your kids. And as we hear instructions like that from God, it can be a little bit overwhelming. It can be a little bit scary to us. Sometimes God is going to call us to do things that are intimidating to us, that are overwhelming to us. But when he does that, he calls us to go with him. I've told you guys this before so many times because every Sunday we end our service the same way, right? We end it. We're going to do it today. We're going to stand up and together we're going to recite the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We're going to say it all together. And how does that commission end? It ends with Jesus telling us to go. And then he says, I will be with you always. When God gives us a command, when he gives us a mission, he tells us, I'm going to go with you as you go. And that's what's going on here. Like, I absolutely love the fact that Joshua's command from the Lord and Jesus's command to us, they both end the same way with this promise that I will be with you. So as the Lord gives us instructions, he also gives us a mission to accomplish and he does that. He says, I'm gonna go with you. And when we hear that, what we need to know, what I want to encourage you today is just to follow his instructions. Just do what he's telling you to do. Listen to his voice as he speaks and then go out and do it. And as you do it, even if it seems overwhelming, even if it seems like it's more than you can handle, remember, he's going with you as you go. You're not on your own in this. He's with you. But here's the reality we often face. We'll, we'll begin a mission and we'll get excited. We'll be ready to charge in there and get it done. We're, we're super excited and, and we know that God is, is going with us, but along the way, things happen and we get discouraged. I think that's why as we continue in this text, we're gonna see God continue to encourage Joshua. Take a look at verses six and seven. God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the, that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. When, whenever people embark on a mission, there are two common threats that can get in the way of them accomplishing that mission. There are two hazards that can keep you from going and completing the mission that you embark on. And those two hazards are fear and distraction. And right here, we see the Lord address both of those with Joshua. Fear, think about fear. We can begin a mission and and as we go, as we start that mission, we may encounter challenges that we didn't foresee. 
And when that happens, fear can sneak in. We can start to become afraid and and begin to shrink back. And when that happens, the mission goes sideways. It just goes completely sideways. We won't accomplish what we've set out to do. And I think that's the reason why God reassures Joshua by telling him to be strong and courageous. In fact, in our text today, we see him say it three times. In verses 6, 7, and 9, he says, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not told you? Be strong and courageous. Whenever we see repetition in our Bibles, that should grab our attention, okay? Like just Bible study tip 101. You see repetition, that should grab your attention because it often highlights something important. And right here in this text, God tells him to be strong and courageous three times. Fun fact, this this coupling that we see here, whenever we see this combination here in in our Bibles, in in this section and elsewhere, where, where we see the command to be strong and courageous or do not be afraid, and we see it paired up with the promise, I will never leave you or forsake you, which again is what we're seeing here. Whenever we see that, it always shows up when the challenges that are faced by the individual or the community are humanly impossible, but are the task that they have to accomplish has to be done anyway. Every single time, it's impossible for them to do it, but it has to happen. Throughout our Bibles, whenever we see these two, this command and this promise paired together, that's the case. Whatever needs to happen is only going to happen if God steps in and makes it happen. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And that is a recipe for fear. That's a re- like, you've just told me to do something I don't know how to do. I can't do it. It's not possible. That's a recipe for fear. Which is why God steps in and he speaks to him and, and he encourages him not to be afraid. He says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. Don't allow fear to stop you from completing the mission that I have given you to accomplish. Stay on mission. That's what he's saying right here. That's what he's telling Joshua. Fear can take you off mission. Don't let that happen. God is with you as you serve him. Don't let fear get in the way. But just as quickly as fear can get in the way, so can distraction. Distraction can take you off mission just as quickly as fear can. We begin a mission and and then the things of life start piling on and things come up and it causes us to take our eyes off of whatever we were supposed to be doing. And this seems to happen all the time in life. Like all the, maybe it's just me, maybe, maybe it's not you guys, but it happens to me all the time. Like, like no kidding, not long ago, Tama gave me a task she wanted me to knock out in the house, some sort of honeydew thing. I think it was hanging pictures, but don't quote me on that. So one day I had some free time um, and I go out to my shop to get the tools I need, you know, a drill, a level, um, a tape measure, because I'm a little bit OCD with making sure stuff's placed right. And, um, and I go out to my shop to get the tools I need to hang the picture and I get to my shop and it is a disaster. Like nothing is put away where it's supposed to be. And it's obviously, it's not my fault. It's the kids, I'm sure. But anyway, nothing's where it's supposed to be. And so I start um, cleaning up as I'm searching for my tools. And next thing I know, like two hours have gone by and Tamo walks out to the shop and she's like, Josh, what happened? Distraction happened. 
I, I spent, I got so focused on something that wasn't my mission that the little tiny mission she had given me to hang a picture on the wall w- went completely sideways, and now I don't have time anymore. This happens to us all the time. I t- you take your eyes off of the mission, and, and next thing you know, it's over. And the same thing can happen in the church. The same thing can happen to us as Christians. We can allow things that aren't primary things that aren't important to take our eyes, our focus off of the mission. Secondary and tertiary issues become primary. They take center stage, and pretty soon we're more focused on those secondary or tertiary issues than we are on the mission that God has given us to accomplish. And and so the Lord is speaking to Joshua, and he's telling us, don't get distracted. This is a threat for us today just like it was a threat for Joshua, which is why the Lord told him in verse seven to be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The Lord is telling him to keep his focus on what God had commanded him to do. He said, don't let distraction sink in. Fear and distraction. They are enemies of the mission. They are threats to the mission. And God is showing us here that we cannot allow them to get in the way. These two verses have really two commands that are reminding us that as we go on mission, we have got to stay the course. We've got to stay on mission. Don't let fear, don't let distraction stop you from living out what God has called you to do. Stay the course. And as we move into verses 8 and 9, we're going to see how we do that. Take a look. Beginning at verse 8, the Lord says to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The way we stay the course The way we stay on mission is to stay in the word. We live in the word. That's that's Bible or church speak for the Bible. Okay, we're gonna stay in the Bible. That's the picture of what we're seeing painted here for Joshua. God tells him to meditate on this book of the law day and night. Now, I don't want you to let that word meditate like throw you off or cause you to be a little bit uncomfortable because in our society, when we think about meditation, we tend to think about Eastern meditation, right? Some of the mysticism involved with Buddhism and that sort of thing, but that's not what the Bible is talking about here. Eastern meditation tends to have the goal of you clearing your mind. It has the goal of of finding an inner calm or an inner peace. It has the goal of of maintaining a focused relaxation. That's not what this is talking about here. When the Bible talks about meditating on God's word, it's talking about thinking it over and considering God's word constantly. Think of it like taking a diamond and grabbing a jeweler's loop and holding that diamond up and just looking at it from every angle every way, just kind of inspecting it and trying to find all of the beauty and all the splendor and all that it has to show you. That's what it means to meditate on God's word. You're looking to see all of the beauty and all of the splendor and all that God has called you into as you meditate on it. But how do we do that? 
It starts by reading your Bible, by studying it, by memorizing it, thinking about it, letting it guide how you live. And the command that God is giving Joshua here is that you want to do that all of the time. In your coming and your going, when, when you're driving down the road, when you're doing chores around the house, we want to live in the word. It's so much more than just reading it. We want to live in it because it's only when we live in God's word where we know God's word intimately that you're going to be able to live it out. You, you can't live out something that you don't know. You need a daily intake of God's word. That's why I'm always pressing you to be in your Bibles, to read your Bible, to study your Bible. And, and here's the really awesome part of this. There are like so many ways that you can make this happen. There are so many different Bible study plans that you can use. I do recommend you have a plan because if you have a plan, it's easier to stick to it, right? So we give you F260. It's available in the lobby. It's available over at this exit as well. It's available on our website. Go to tothepoint.church slash F260. You'll find a reading plan that if you follow it, it's going to lead you to read the entire New Testament in a year. Five days a week, one chapter a day. You can read through the entire New Testament in one year. It is so approachable and so easy to to do. I promise you, you can do that. They're available. Grab one of those. If you want a more complex reading plan, maybe you want to read through the entire Bible in a year, I can help you with that. Come talk to me. I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. But either way, get into the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. And if reading it is too much for you, I get that. We're busy sometimes. There are a ton of ways that you can listen to it as well. My favorite is an app called Dwell, D-W-E-L-L, Dwell Bible app. It's available. It is a paid subscription, kind of cards on the table. I think it's about 20 bucks a year. But the awesome thing about the Dwell Bible app is you've got about five or six, seven translations of the Bible with about a dozen different people, different voices. There's like the South African dude that I think is awesome um, as he reads the Bible. And then you can select um, different music to play in the background. Like there's piano hymns and, and guitar. There's, there's my favorite is cello and piano. And you, you kind of play that in the background as you listen to God's word read to you. And as you do that, you're able to kind of think about and meditate on it and, and, and go over what it's saying as you're hearing it read to you. And, and if the cost of, of buying an app like Dwell is too much for you, no worries. There are a lot of free apps with audio versions available. And almost every single one of those apps has reading plans built into those apps that will help you to listen to God's word all throughout the year. So regardless of whether you're reading it or listening to it, let me press on you here. Get into your Bible. You're never going to be able to live out the mission that God has called you into if you don't hear the words that he has spoken to you. Get in the word. Live in the word. And then as you're living in the word, I want want to encourage you to take that next step of meditating on the word. Now, that could be looking differently for different people. I'm going to tell you how I do it. Take it or leave it. You don't have to do it the way I do it. But for me, I have this little journal I keep. And in this little journal, it's just a a book of of lined paper pages, right? There's nothing there. I I always start by, I write the date across the top. I write whatever I've read, the the chapter I've read in F260 at the top. And then I write about the day before. 
I do that because I do mine in the morning, and I just want to, like, yesterday, we, one of our goats had a baby, right? Like, that kind of stuff, right? And then from there, I'll write about what I've read. And then I will write some sort of quick response and a prayer. And, and often those two are connected together, and then I close it, and I'm done. Now, I don't do that to be legalistic. I don't do that to check off a block. I do that because I have found that when I do that, later on in the, in the day, I'll find myself thinking about what I read in the morning. It, it's, so I'm kind of tricking my brain into meditating on God's word. Does that make sense? Like, I'm a simple dude. It works for me. You don't have to do it that, that way. That's how I do it. But let me encourage you. Take that next step from reading God's word to meditating on God's word. Because again, if we're going to live on mission for God, we have got to live in the word. We've got to know what he's said to us. We're never going to know how to live on mission if we don't listen to his word. And, And as we listen to his word and we live in his word, I want you to be encouraged by the reassurance that God has given us. Like, listen, cards on the table, there are going to be times where studying God's word is going to be hard. Like, you're going to have days where you don't feel like it. Like, y'all aren't going to fire me if I say something, right? Am I safe, Nathan? He says I'm safe. Okay. There are days I don't want to read my Bible. It's hard sometimes. And then there's going to be days where, where maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I open it up and it's like Leviticus 1.1. And I'm like, what do I do with this? Like there are going to be di- days where I just don't have like a, some awesome deep insight as I'm studying God's word. You know what I do when that happens? First of all, don't panic. Don't stress out. I pray. I write down something. It might be one sentence in my little journal. It might be, I have no idea what this is saying. Probably should have read Leviticus 1.1 before I said all this, but I have no idea what this says. Lord, please teach me. Help me to understand how this fits in, how this is supposed to lead me to love and follow you. And then I close that journal. And maybe in that day, for that journal, I filled like this much out of this much of a page. That's okay. I spend the rest of the day thinking about it. And maybe I get something, maybe I don't. But that was God's word for that day. That was his bread for me to eat for that day. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. It's going to take work at times. But I'm telling you, we need this. If we're going to follow Christ, we need this. The rest of your day is filled with the radio and the television and the news and the internet and Facebook and Instagram and all those other things. You need God's word to lead your life. So let me press on you here. Like, like I know maybe I'm coming across a little strong. Let me press on you. You need to be in God's word. Study God's word. Read God's word. You need this if you're going to live on mission for him. And then as you're doing all of that, As I said, rest in the promises. God's made some pretty awesome promises in his word to us. Look at verse nine with me. I told you God repeats himself three times and so that should grab our attention. But God tells Joshua for the third time, have I not commanded you? Are you listening to me? What have I said? 
Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened and don't be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. God gave Joshua a mission to accomplish. Following the death of Moses, that mission seemed overwhelming. That mission seemed like it was way more than Joshua was going to be able to fulfill. Moses had left some really big shoes that Joshua had to sit down and fill in. Following the death of Moses, that mission was overwhelming. It was too big, and God was leading his people anyway. He was leading them into Canaan. And Joshua knew that it was going to be hard. God knew that it was going to be hard. But Joshua was given by God everything he needed in order to do it. All Joshua had to do, all he had to do was follow his directions. He just had to listen to what God was telling him to do. Stay the course. Keep on doing the mission. Don't allow fear and distraction to take you off mission. Stay the course and then live in the word. And as he lives in the word, living in what God had commanded him to do, he rests in the promises. As Christians today, God is going to call us to do big things. He's absolutely going to call us to do big things. He's going to give us missions to accomplish. And and all we have to do is follow his directions. Stay the course. Don't let distraction, don't let fear take us off. Stay the course. Live in his word and rest in his promises. And, And here's the really cool part. He's going to go with us wherever we go. See, the part of this that I just absolutely love is that God gives us missions to accomplish, but he doesn't leave us to do it on our own. He goes with us as we go. And the reason why he goes with us is because it's not our mission. It's his mission. It's his mission. So he goes with us as we go. So let's get out there. Let's do the mission. Let's go out and serve the Lord in this town, in this community, in this state. Every single one of you has been called into the mission. Wherever you work, wherever you live, that is your mission field. So let's live on mission for Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.